All right, open your Bibles up this morning in the New Testament. Turn with me there if you would. Let's begin this morning in the Gospel of John, and then we're going to be looking at some verses in the book of Luke. But I'd like to start over in the Gospel of John. Last Sunday morning, I started a series of messages, as long as the Lord gives them to me, on the conversations of Christ around the cross. And what I mean around the cross, I mean like the day before Jesus went to the cross as He spoke to His men. And then while Jesus was on the cross, there are seven sayings of Christ while He was upon the cross that are very important to us. And then there are conversations with Christ after the cross before His ascension up into heaven. And I would like for us to consider the divine truths that are revealed there that will help us even in 2020. Amen. The Word of God is quick and powerful. It is sharper than any two-edged sword. And it is able to discern the thoughts and the intents of our hearts. And so if you'll let the Word of God speak to you, it will. If you come wanting to hear something from the Lord, I promise you that it will. So, What I need to do this morning, I need you to turn to John chapter 20, and then I need, for a few minutes, I need to borrow uh, your imagination for just a little bit, a holy imagination, that is, and look with me in John 20, because we're going to pick up a verse right here. Can you imagine that uh, a man came into your life, you know, maybe you were a fisherman, maybe you were a carpenter, maybe you were uh, a tax collector, and a man came by and looked at you, and called you to follow him, and to leave everything behind. And so there were 12 of these men who did this. In the text in which we're fixing to read, there'll be 11 of them still left with him, and they followed him for like three, three and a half years, and left everything behind. And now they're in a situation here, that the verse we're fixing to read here now is a verse that's found after uh, the, uh, the crucifixion. And they have not yet uh, uh, seen the risen Lord. And so they are, uh, they have had, they've had a meeting with him. They've been with him. And now all of a sudden he's gone. And he's been crucified. Now he told them over and over this was going to happen. But yet it seemed to bypass them. And so now they're gathered together. Imagine now you're these 11 guys. And you know that the Jews hated your master. And they crucified him. And so you just might be next on the list. Okay? So in John chapter 20, notice in verse 19, it says, Then the same day at evening, being the first day of the week. All right? Now Jesus has already arisen from the grave. But they have not yet all been convinced that he has yet. So in verse 19 says, Then the same, at the same day at evening, the first day of the week, When the doors were shut, where the disciples were assembled for fear of the Jews. I want to borrow that that atmosphere for just a moment before Jesus appears to them because the next phrase there, the the rest of that sentence says, came Jesus. All right, but let's talk about their conversations with each other before Jesus came. All right, so they're gathered together. And they are in this room and they are there because of their great faith? No. They are there because of their fear. And it's almost like they've kind of hid out. And they 
they, the last time they kind of got together as a group like this, Brother Doug, was the verses we read last Sunday when they were gathered around the table and talking with Jesus. And that was just a few days ago. All right, so turn with me now to the book of Luke. And look there with me, if you would, in verse number 22. In Luke chapter 22, this is where, if I remind you a little bit of last week, this is where Jesus had met with them uh, in the upper chamber and had the Lord's Supper and reminded them of the significance of the Passover and that He would be the Passover, the final Passover, and spoke to them also (coughs) about their argument with each other about who was the greatest. And he reminds them of these things and he reminds them of the promises that no one has ever forsaken all that they've had and followed Jesus Christ and came up empty at the end. And so he promises them one day that they will sit and reign with him over the 12 tribes of Israel, which again nullifies any philosophy of replacement theology. That God still has a plan for the nation of Israel. Yes, the 12 tribes of Israel. And so we pick up here in chapter number 29. And before we look at this next uh, statement here, I want you to think back now to these guys are sitting in this room and they are there because they are afraid. And you can imagine these 11 sitting around the table and they're having to think back. Now listen, they're not just sitting there looking at each other. They're not just sitting there looking out the window. They're sitting there, I believe, conversing with each other. And to be honest with you, they don't really have much conversation that would be encouraging to each other. You know why? Because they all left him at the cross. They all scattered. They left him literally hanging on a tree. And so here they are now, no doubt they have been, would you say, humbled? Would you say these men have been humbled just a little bit? Because they had been walking with him. They had been seeing all the miracles. They had been casting devils out of folks. They had themselves been performing miracles. And it looks like, man, the the multitudes are following them. And when they went into Jerusalem, they heard the people praising him, saying, Hosanna, Hosanna. And now all of a sudden, he's gone. And they are huddled together like a football team. The starters, the 11 starters are up in the upper room and they're looking at each other. Well, there's one particular guy that seems to always be the one who speaks first of the 11 or the 12. The guy that always seems to be the verbal one, the one that seems to be the impulsive one. Do you know who he is? That would be Peter. And so I'm thinking now here, he is around this table and I'm, again, I'm, I'm using my imagination in, in, in the conversation, but not about what the conversation may have been about. Because as they're sitting there around that table and they're talking to each other, uh, I'm thinking about the last conversation that he had with Jesus. And the last conversation that Jesus had with him and what they talked about. And they're sitting around there and, and uh, I want you to look in Luke chapter 22. And I'm thinking Peter... The impulsive one, the leader, the spokesman of the group. As no doubt they're hanging their heads and probably regret having betrayed him. Oh, excuse me, not betrayed him, but have had forsaken him. I think that Peter probably would look at him and say, Guys, you know, I never thought we'd be here. 
And he said, you know, above all the people that I thought who would never be here where we are right now, he said, I thought the last person would be me. And so we picked this conversation up in Luke 22, and I want to show you something here. And I think he could have looked at them and said, you know, the last conversation that I had with Jesus and he had with me, he said, number one, and this is the point I want you to get today. He said, Jesus tried to warn me. He said, Jesus tried to warn me. He said, I heard it, but I didn't receive it. Now, we're going to work on that thought. I heard it, but I didn't receive it. I heard it, but I didn't believe it. You know how hard it is for you to receive the truth about yourself? Now, if somebody were to tell you that you're the greatest, you might say, well, that that sounds about right. Or somebody says, you know, you're the strongest, you're the most, you're the most beautiful person I believe I've ever seen in the world. Well, you know, I really don't have any proof to, dis, to disprove that, that, that you have said that, you know. We tend to believe when it appeals to our vanity that there might be an element of truth. I, 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 when our ego is stroked, we tend to believe it a little bit. That's why that flattery is a dangerous thing to us. It's like a net spread before our feet, the Bible says. But what? how difficult it is for you and I to assess ourselves and be honest about ourselves. That's a very difficult thing to do without going overboard one direction or the other. Some of you are too hard on yourselves and some of you are too light on yourselves. Most of us are going to be too light on ourselves. But what about when the Lord assesses you? What if he were right here in the room right now and he was looking at you and he says, you know what, I've assessed you and this is what I've come up with. So Peter has this last conversation with Jesus and look in Luke 22 with me if you would. And he says in verse 31, And the Lord said, And by the way, if the Lord mentions your first name twice, you best listen. Amen? If he just mentions your name, you ought to listen. But he said, Simon, Simon. I wish I could use the proper inflection in my voice of how Jesus used it right there on Simon. Was he saying it with a sigh? Simon. Shaking his head? Simon. I don't know. But I know Peter remembers. And the Bible says, he said, Simon, Simon, he said, Behold, Satan hath desired to have you, that he may sift you as wheat. But I have prayed for thee, that thy faith fail not, and when thou art converted, strengthen thy brethren. So Jesus has warned him that Satan's coming after him. And Jesus has warned him that he was going to deny him. But look in verse number 33. He said unto him, this is, this is Peter, he hears it, but does he receive it? He said, Lord, he said, I am ready to go with thee both into prison and to death. Verse 34, and he said, I tell thee, Peter, the cock shall not crow this day before thou shalt thrice deny that thou knowest me. 
Would you quickly turn over just another place? Let's emphasize, look in Mark, just, a, just the next gospel over to your left. Look in Mark chapter 14 real quick. Let's pick up on this conversation from another point of view, one of our other gospel reporters who's, who's pinning this down. In Mark chapter 14, look in verse number 26. Verse 26. Jesus says this to them, and this is right again, right before they go. Uh, out from the Lord's Supper and going to the Mount of Olives, verse 26. And when they had sung a hymn, they went out under the Mount of Olives. One little thought right there about Jesus. He knew where he was going and he was fixing to go through, but he didn't lose his song. Do not lose your song. And he says in verse 27, And Jesus said unto them, All ye shall be offended because of me this night. For it's written, I will smite the shepherd and the sheep shall be scattered. But after that, I am risen. I will go before you into Galilee. But Peter said unto him, although, look at this now, although all shall be offended, yet will not I. Now, Brother Scott, I can see maybe Peter looking at these guys around the table, these other ten now that are with him in that upper room when they're afraid. And he says, guys, you know what? I really thought that y'all might fail him, but I really didn't think that it would be me. And here I am, and I'm ashamed. Now look what he says in verse number 30. And Jesus said unto him, Verily I say unto thee that this day, even in this night, before the cock crow twice, thou shalt deny me thrice. Now look at this in verse 31. But he spake the more vehemently. Now Jesus has already told you Satan's after you. Jesus has told you that you're going to deny him. And you are arguing with him about his assessment of you. And he's warning you. He's warning you. But you're not receiving the warning because you don't believe the assessment of yourself. Well, I see a great weakness in us in this right here. I really do. And he says in verse 31, but he spake the more vehemently. He said, you know, if I should die with thee, I will not deny thee in any wise. Well, that encouraged the rest of them. They said, hey, no, not us either, Lord, not either, not us either. Likewise, also said they all. So I ask you a question, what happened? Were they scattered like sheep? Yes. Did Peter deny the Lord three times? Yes, he did. And I think that probably as Peter is, as they are again rehearsing this, because listen, there's some other conversations that took place and we simply don't have the time. I didn't realize there was this much as I, it's like when you begin to study something and it just opens and just keeps opening up. But man, when you get to John 14, you know, uh, Thomas has got a question for him and, and then Philip's got a statement for him and and uh, and some of the other guys have questions for him. And so these conversations are important to us. But I need to focus this morning on Peter. And I need you to see right here of Peter's conversation with these guys. And I think if he said anything to them, he would have said, he would have said the Lord tried. Now remember now, he hasn't seen the risen Lord yet. And he doesn't know that everything's fixing to change yet. And so he is in, I think, the depths of despair and I think he's looking at the other guys and he said, the Lord tried to warn me. He assessed me and I did not listen to what he said about my weaknesses 
and, and, the, and, the, and the wiles of Satan, the reality of Satan and how that he is after us. You remember later on when Peter is restored and as Peter goes on about his ministry, the Lord, the Holy Ghost even uses him to write a couple of books that you read in the New Testament today. Is it possible for you to fail even of your assessment of yourself and the Lord restore you and use you again? Is that possible? Thank God it's possible. Not only is it possible, it's probable. And so he writes two letters to us at the end of the, your Bible there, First Peter and Second Peter. And one of the things he puts in there says, you listen, you better be sober. He said, you better be vigilant. He says, because your adversary, the devil, as a roaring lion, walketh about seeking whom he may devour. And so as we look at these things, I just want to mention a few things to you this morning. I ask you, would you receive some warnings and assessments about yourself from the Lord? Do you think that you are different than the rest of us? You remember when the, the, the apostles were serving the Lord greatly in the book of Acts and people were even sometimes almost idolizing them and they rebuked those people and said, Hey, we are men of like passions as you are. If there's anything that will help you to have compassion, empathy, and sympathy with each other, is for you to realize that if people could really see who you were and what you were in your darkest moments and weakest moments in your heart and mind and body, if, if, they, could, if, they, would, if they could see that, you would be ashamed. But what you need to realize is that you also have to understand that, that other people have the same weaknesses, tendencies. They're not always guilty of some of the things you are, but they have the potential. And you have the potential to do what they have done as well. Keep that in mind, my friend. You say, don't sit out there and say, not me. <laughs> now, I'm looking at the other members of East River Baptist Church, but and I, re- I realize what you're saying is true about some of them, but then it won't be me, preacher. But now listen carefully. He said, he tried to warn me, but I wouldn't listen. He said, I heard it, but I didn't receive it, and I didn't believe it. He was correct. I think Peter would say he was correct about me and my weakness and my pride. And I believe that he could have said to them, he said, you guys don't understand what I went through back there. He said, I did deny him. I did deny him. But it was when he turned and looked at me. And the Bible says that when Peter had denied him that third time, that Jesus simply turned and looked at him. And what was Peter's reaction to that? Oh, man, I believe it would be like knives, man, going through. You know, sometimes when somebody looks at you, they just, you just, they can see right through you. And boy, when Jesus looked at him, the Bible says that Peter wept bitterly. We're talking about a grown fisherman. We're talking about a tough guy. We're talking about a guy going off somewhere by himself. And I believe if you could see him, I believe he probably even fell to his knees and I believe that he was sobbing. I believe he was just broken hearted of what he had done to the Lord Jesus Christ and that it actually happened to him of all people. I think probably the greater the pride that we have, the harder The reaction is when we fail. Some people are not surprised that they fail. 
Some people even expect it, but some people don't. And they try not to. And they're very sincere in their walk. And that is the person where that, that grieves the most because you, you just never expected it to happen to you. Well, you'll notice in our passage here that, that he's, you know, that, that, that Peter said, no, it's just not going to happen. It'll happen to others, but it won't happen to me. But I want to ask you this question this morning, and, and because as I was studying these things, I want to do more than just inform you about what happened in these conversations. I always have the thought in my heart, I say, okay, so, so what? What difference does it make to me? What difference does it make to you? What, how is this going to help you today? So what about us? Have you thought about this passage of Scripture in 1 Corinthians 10 where it says, Wherefore let him that thinketh, he standeth, take heed, lest he, lest he fall. The Scripture says these things were written aforetime for our admonition, for our learning. It was for our warnings and our examples. As I was meditating upon this, the Lord brought some things to my mind that I wanted to remind you of. I'm going to ask you a few questions. Again, do you agree with me that it's not easy to see ourselves as God sees us? You know what? That's true on both sides. Sometimes our faith does not embrace the good things that God sees about us in Christ. And then sometimes we refuse to also acknowledge the weaknesses that God sees in us and the worldliness that He really sees in us. Because we like to be happy. We like to be guilt-free. We like to have joy and peace. I know I like those things. I want those things. I just don't want to live in a make-believe world. <laughs> I want to make sure that my heart is clean, my conscience is clear, and that this is, this is not some kind of peace the world produces but rather that which God can only give. So let me ask you a few questions and, I'll, and we'll be done for today. Again, in the Scriptures, thinking about what Jesus said. Now, before we, I ask you these questions, would you turn with me to another place in the Old Testament? I'm going to give you a few minutes to find it. Would you turn with me to the book of Ezekiel? Would you turn to the book of Ezekiel? Turn to the book of Ezekiel. Turn with me there, if you would, to chapter number 33. Ezekiel 33. I want to warn you, I want to warn you of how easy it is to be like Peter and get into a pattern of, of certain things in following the Lord and that you get to the point sometimes of where that you hear what he says but you're not really receiving what he says. And you hear what he says, even about you, but you don't really believe what he is saying about you. Look at Ezekiel 33. Let me give you an example of this. Ezekiel was a great prophet of God. Look at chapter 33. Look what was happening here to these people. Nothing new under the sun about the heart of man. Ezekiel 33 verse 30. He said, also, thou son of man, the children of thy people still are talking against thee by the walls and in the doors of the houses, and speak one to another, every one to his brother, saying, Come, I pray you, 
and hear what is the word that cometh from the Lord. They were actually saying, hey man, listen, you need to come and hear Ezekiel preach. Man, he has got a word from the Lord. All right, verse 31. And they come unto thee as the people cometh, and they sit before thee as my people, and they hear thy words, but they will not do them. For with their mouth they say much love, but their heart goeth after their covetousness. Now, if you're a covetous person, you're guilty of idolatry. You're looking for something besides God to satisfy what only God can satisfy. And you are a stubborn individual. Covetousness is like an idolatry and stubbornness. Are you a stubborn individual? Can you receive a word from God? It also means that you are not a content person. You are always complaining and murmuring and criticizing the prosperity of others. It also means that you walk around and are guilty many times of speaking feigned words. That's hypocrisy. And you agree with people when you feel like it will benefit you financially. And you'll be friends with them if you believe they will help you get what you really want out of life. That's a covetous person. God hates it. These people were coming to the house of the Lord with this in their hearts. Verse 32 He said, And lo, thou art unto them as a very lovely song of one that hath a pleasant voice. And he said, And one can play well on an instrument, for they hear thy words, but they what? They do them not. They said, Man, we sure like our preacher, talking about Ezekiel. We We love our pastor. We love our preacher. He preaches the word of God. Why don't you come and listen to what he has to say? And he said, Those people were doing that. But they were not assessing themselves and they were not doing what the Lord told them to do in their own lives. Oh me. Verse 33, he said this, he said, When this cometh to pass, lo, it will come. Thou shalt know that a prophet hath been among them. He's talking about the word of God will come to pass. It will. So let me ask you a few questions this morning. By way of warning you and as you assess yourself, Have you taken heed to what God says in His Word? I want to say this to some of our young men and women. I don't want to see you fall by the wayside. I don't want to see you grow up in church and then fall in love with the world. So what about us? Are we really hearing what the Lord says to us and about us? Do we believe that we truly need Him? You've heard your pastor say, and your parents say, your Sunday school teacher say, how much you need the Lord, how much you need the Bible, how much you need your church. Do you really believe that? And are you receiving that? There's some questions in the Old Testament that, that I'd like for you to ponder in your heart. For example, can a man take fire in his bosom and not be burned? What's the answer to that question? And what is the warning there? The warning there is, what are you looking at? What are you looking at? And do you think that you can look at certain things and you be an exception to the rule? 
Do you think, young man, that you... And in the context in which that question is asked, it is about the man who is looking at his neighbor's wife. And he is contemplating adultery. That's what he's contemplating in his heart. And the Lord says, do you think you're an exception to the rule? Do you think you can take fire in your bosom and not be burned? Do you think that you can? So I'm asking you a question. What are you looking at? Young men, what are you looking at on your phones? What are you looking at on your iPads or your computers? What are you looking at on your television sets? And you know what? None of those things existed when that scripture was written. Because men have always found a way to find a way to look before there ever was a a printing press, before there ever was electronics. Men have always had a problem with the lust of their eye and not being content and committed with their own wives. So I ask you this question. Do you think that you are strong enough to take fire in your bosom and not be burned? Do you think that you can live in an imaginary world in your mind and look after another woman in this church or in your neighborhood or at work and you think you can build that in your heart and it will not burn you one day? Then you are just like Peter when you said it'll happen to other guys, but I put up safeguards, it'll never happen to me. And yet it happened to Peter because he heard it, but he didn't really receive it and he didn't really believe it. Do you understand? There is, a, there is a nature of man. You know what the Bible says about fornication, young man? Those of you maybe who are involved in pornography. And they say that because of COVID-19, I say because of the lust of the heart, COVID-19 has saw a great increase in pornography activity in America, which is a shame. Which is really a greater disease than COVID-19 will ever be and do more damage to the heart and the mind and the families than COVID-19 will ever do. Do you think you can take those things into your heart and not believe that it's going to infect you and affect you and those around you? Would you like to have Brother John talk to you about some of the prisoners that he deals with on a regular basis and how they got there, why they became violent, why they became abusive? And it usually started with them looking at something that did not belong to them and fire was kindled in their bosom. Do you understand the seriousness of that? But you have to assess yourself and you have to understand that God has made man a certain way for a man to be attracted to a woman. That's a natural thing. But the Lord says that a man is to be satisfied with his own wife. And he says, look, in 1 Corinthians 7, he says, hey, if you can't control yourself, get married implying that marriage is honorable and the bed undefiled. Implying that that is where you are to be satisfied. You say, well, that's pretty plain. Well, you didn't have to look it up in the Greek, did you? Do you understand this is what the Bible teaches us and this is what, hey, if I could take every family over the 40 years that I've been in the ministry and put them back together and put them in church because of sexual sins, man, we'd have to build up 500-seat auditorium. Do you understand how serious this is? But everybody wants to kind of shove that stuff under the rug and, and, and put some other kind of flower and arrangement on it that that's not really what happened, but that is what happens. So I ask you, 
Can a man take fire in his bosom? What are, you, what are you looking at? You know what Scripture says about this? It says, flee fornication. Flee fornication. Don't fight the fire. Flee from the fire. That's what he says. All right? And so, something else that's in the book of Proverbs that is important, you know, that, that you shouldn't be looking at and considering, he says you should not look, he says, look not upon the wine when it is red. Well, let's use that as a biblical principle today. He said, because if you do, he says, it biteth like a serpent and stingeth like an adder. Do you think, young man, that you can be cool and start sipping on a Budweiser and then drink another Budweiser, then another Budweiser, and then you, you want to be cool? You know, you want to drink with your buddies. And then it goes to, to because eventually beer won't do it for you. Then you'll have to go to the next level. And if that doesn't do it, then you'll probably find something to drink, to take with the beer, some kind of, of a drug that will go with it. And so the Lord gives you a warning. And it is about alcohol and drugs. He says, look not upon the wine when it is red, it biteth like a serpent and stingeth like an adder. So who are you looking at is the first question. The second one is, is what are you looking at? Are you contemplating and are you taking some things that alter reality in your mind and that you find that's the peace that the world gives that brings destruction? Because alcohol can bring peace for a moment, a buzz for a moment, and can help you with the pain and sometimes the reality of what's going on around you. You can take a prescription medication and overdo it. You can take an unprescribed medication and it begins to affect you. Medicine's a very powerful thing. Amen? I mean, man, you can take something that's a little bitty, bitty white piece of, of, of a pill and put it in you and it begins to alter the way you see things and alter the way you think. And then also causes you not to be able to, to restrain yourself with your mouth or your morals. I mean, we, we, much of our tax dollars goes to a particular force in America to try to control the drugs and alcohol in this world. And by the way, again, I'll say this again. Now, if you really care about the health, then go down to the uh, of Americans, which I don't think that they do. But if they did, then go down to, uh, to uh, Anderson, uh, to MD Anderson, and go into the cancer ward where people's hearts are broken and where people are being separated from their families because somebody couldn't put a liquor bottle down and somebody couldn't put a drug down and it's created some things in their bodies. And I am more apt to die from somebody... Listen, this is a dangerous road out here. And somebody's mind is altered coming down that road and when somebody's mind is altered by drugs or alcohol, I'm just a heartbeat away from eternity. And I'm saying I have more of probably of a chance of being harmed in that direction than I am from some of the things that the Democrats think that I'll be harmed by. I think you know these things. I am sure that you're aware of these things. But for some reason, the Holy Ghost wanted me to remind you of these things. I think there's a mom and dad in here who's praying for their son and their daughter because they see that son or that daughter slipping in that direction. 
And I think sometimes we are worried about our young people because of the peer pressure they fall under. And that's where this next one goes. Turn with me to one more place, Psalm 1, please. Would you turn over there with me to Psalm 1? Psalm 1. What worries me for most of our young people is when they stop listening to what and they stop allowing us to influence their decisions. Do I want to influence your decisions? Absolutely, I do. Do I want you to make your own choices? Yes, I do. Do I want to impact them? Yes, I do. In a godly manner. You know why? Because the church is a pillar and ground of the truth. And you need to make your decisions based upon facts and reality and truth. Look in Psalm 1 with me please here. So I'm going to ask you these questions. Number one is, is who are you looking at? And is it lawful for you to do so? Number two, what are you looking at? I think about even Achan. When the Lord forbid them to partake and take of the things that were in the city there, of Ai, and they took those things. He took those things. The Bible says, he literally says, I saw them, I coveted after them, and I took them. And I hid them in my tent. And as a result of that, it destroyed him and his family. Because he wanted something that God said no Have you ever wanted something so bad that you didn't care if God said no or not, you were going to go after it? Now, brethren, I'm telling you, the Scripture says here that, now let's look look, look at Psalm 1. The third question is, and the last question is, who are you listening to? Who is influencing you? Young man, you're sitting here on the front pew with his Bible open and his notebook open. You know what I hope and pray? I've seen young people over the years do that. And when they got to about 20, 21, 22, 23, 24, they begin to listen to other influences. Some of them don't even wait till that long. It'll start about 15, 16, 17, and somebody will begin to impact them through their influences. I cannot control who is around me many times. Sometimes I can, sometimes I can't. But when I can't, I can choose whether or not you influence me. Because there are some folks that I'm around, I'm not going to allow them to impact my life as far as influencing my decisions. Look in Psalm 1. Look with me in verse 1. It said, Blessed is the man that walketh not in the counsel of the ungodly. Who are you listening to? Who is sending you texts? Hmm? Do, do you ever receive texts that you don't want your wife to see or you don't want your husband to see or you don't want your parents to see? Hmm? You say, well, it's none of their business. You are their business. So when it talks about this, walketh not in the counsel of the ungodly, who has your ear? Brother Jacob, who has your ear, son? Who's got it? Who are you listening to? Hmm? Brother Travis, who's got your ear, brother? You know where this really happens? It's not in 
a sermon sometimes or in a lecture sometimes or in a classroom. It's when you're sitting around a table drinking a cup of coffee and somebody is talking about something. Is it helping you or is it hurting you? Is somebody influencing you? Is somebody driving a wedge between you, your pastor, and your church family? Hmm? Is their counsel moving you away from godly counsel? And if you're looking for faults and you can't find enough, see me after church. I'll write some more down for you. We can find some for you if that's what you're looking for. But just remember this. How you judge is how you will be judged. So it'd be better if you just didn't. He said, Blessed is the man that walketh not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor standeth in the way of sinners. Has your parents ever said, who have you been listening to? Who's been talking to you? I can tell when somebody's been messed with. Their attitude changes. Their spirit changes. Now this can come through different kinds of influences. It can come even from music. It can come from music. It can come from movies. It can come from... Uh, the the news media. But who are you really listening to? Well, Peter, if he could go back and say to those guys, listen, I heard what Jesus said, but I really wasn't listening to what Jesus said. There was kind of like a wall went up when he said, Satan's after you, son. And he's coming after you. He's going to want to sift you as wheat. And Peter said, Lord, listen, you ain't got to worry about me. I know those other guys will turn on you, but Lord, I'll go to the cross with you. I'll die with you. I will never deny you. And I believe he meant it. I do. I believe he meant that. And I think we have to understand that our zeal and even our verbal commitments does not give us the strength that we need. And the scripture says, nor standeth in the way of sinners, nor sitteth in the seat of the scornful. You see the digression here of this individual? So you were walking, and now you're standing, and now you're sitting. Now you're no longer moving in the right direction, all because of influence. Who is whispering in your ear? I read a lot of material. I listen to a lot of news. And I always have to kind of divide it out and say, okay, this, this is all right, this ain't all right. I can take this, I'll receive this, I'm not going to listen to that. When I see certain folks come up on the news and it's got D beside it, I already know. Hey, ain't no need to listen to that. That's just a bunch of lies. D, as in dummy crap. <laughs> or Democrat. I mean, whatever you want to say it is. Yeah, I know, I know I'm on. I understand that. But listen, you know what the Democrats are like? They're like rats inside of a wooden ship and they're gnawing away inside of it and they could care less if the whole ship sinks with it. And that's exactly what they are. Y'all got me off track. Do you understand here? It's influence. You You know what the Word of God says? It says, go from the presence of a foolish man. Go from the presence of a foolish man. Wouldn't it be something if you're sitting around talking with a few folks 
and uh, you just listen to them run off at the mouth and you just get up and walk out of the room or out away from the table. Hey, where are you going? Oh, I'm just obeying the Lord. Well, what do you mean you're obeying the Lord? Well, the Bible says go from the presence of a foolish man. I wonder how they would receive that. He says, when thou perceivest in him that he does not have the lips of knowledge. Stupid is or stupid does. Quit listening to stupid. Seriously. Great philosopher said that one time. (laughs) I want to close on a positive note. Even though he failed, and he did, there's one thing that you can learn from the life of Peter that will help you today. Oh, there have been times when no doubt I've been influenced by the wrong person over the years. From time to time, made a, maybe made a bad decision. I will say this about the Lord Jesus Christ, and this is what we, we, we know as a fact. And that is, number one, is that the Lord told him, I'm going to pray for you. And I'm, I'm here to tell you, young person, there's one person that you can always count on praying for you, and that's going to be your Lord Jesus Christ. He said, I have prayed for thee that thy faith fail not. You know when you need your faith to exercise itself greatly? It's when you have disappointed yourself and you've disappointed the people that you love the most. When failure embraces you, you need to embrace the Lord Jesus Christ and humble yourself before Him and not live in self-pity and walk away from us, but bow your knee before Him and understand that He has prayed for you. He's not surprised. He may be even, I don't know if the word disappointment is right or not, but He knows us. And He's prayed that our faith would fail not when we fail. And He said, the second thing is, is that the Lord has provided for you to recover. How? Well, number one, he became the propitiation for your sins. Number two, he is your advocate. And he says, here's what I need you to do. He said, I assessed you and you didn't didn't receive it. I told you, you didn't believe it. He said, now it's time for you to confess the truth. And confession is just simply telling the truth to God, what he already knows about you. Confessing is you saying the same things about yourself that God says about you. So if you have failed, bow your knee before Him. Hold on to your faith that He has not forsaken you. Greater is He that saved you, I promise you. Greater is that hand that reached down than that hand that reached up. And I'm saying confess it. Call it what it is. Lord, you were right. God, you were right. I was wrong. I'm sorry. I confess I should not have looked at that. I should not have thought that. I should not have felt that. I should not have taken that. I should not have drinking that. I should not have listened to them. I'm sorry. I cannot undo what I have done. Please forgive me. There's hope at the cross. And the third thing is, is that When he forgives you, he still has a place and a plan for your life. 
And when Peter, after this, go to with me one more, one more place. Honestly, this will be the last one. Turn with me to John 21 real quick. We're done. Man, this, it's, y'all have taken so much of my time this morning. I need to hurry up and close this up. John 21. Look with me here and quickly that the Lord does have a plan for you. John 21. Boy, Peter had failed and God restored him. I mean, God got him back on track. Now they're sitting around. We'll talk about this later on, probably a few weeks, maybe even a month or so from now. Uh, but um, they're sitting around after the resurrection and they're sitting having a meal and they're talking. And he's talking to Peter and he says, now listen, he says, do you love me? He said, yes. He said, do you love me? He said, yes. He says, do you love me? He said, Lord, you know I love you. And you know what? I do love him, but I still fail him. <laughs> I still love him. And he says, I want you to follow me. Are you listening? He said, I want you to follow me. Verse 19, the last word. He said to Jesus, said to him, he said, I want you to follow me. Follow me, son, follow me, follow me. Verse 20. Then Peter, turning about, seeth the disciple whom Jesus loved following, which also leaned on his breast at supper and said, Lord, which is he that betrayeth thee? Who is that he's talking about there? That's John the Beloved. Verse 21. Peter seeing him. Now, Peter needs to keep his eyes on Jesus right here, but he keeps looking at John. Peter seeing him said to Jesus, Lord, what shall this man do? And Jesus said unto him, If I will that he tarry till I come, what is that to thee? Follow thou me. Oh, listen, when God gets you back on track, get your eyes off of other brethren. God has a plan for each brother and sister in Christ and it may not be the path that, 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 that you're going down and you can't, listen, you can't follow people around. Don't follow people around from church to church. Get your eyes on Jesus and find the will of God. People are, listen, let people follow the Lord but make sure you follow the Lord. And he says, well, what if I want John to stay right here? What is that to you? You know what he's telling him? Mind your own what? Mind your own business. Follow me. And I'm here to tell you that Peter went from, I mean, just do you think he went kind of went from mountaintop to valley to mountaintop in just a few days? And all these conversations, I mean, there he was. Man, they're fixing to, they're going to take the kingdom by force if necessary. He's cutting some heads off with his sword that he had. He'd got, he's ready to go. He's ready to fight. In the garden, to denying the Lord, to being in an upper room in fear. The man who walked on waters up in the upper room, trembling and afraid, confessing his failure, to being restored. And now the Lord says, son, you just follow me. Listen to me, individuals in here, please. Ask yourself, am I following the Lord? Am I following what the Lord wants me to do. Don't ask what anybody else is doing. Am I following the Lord? Am I following the Lord? Let's bow our heads, please. I ask my wife if she would please to come to the piano for just a moment. We're going to have an invitation. And if you need to come and draw nigh up close to God, listen. But believe what the Lord says about you. Receive it. His assessment of you that we are weak without Him. Our spirit's willing, but our flesh is weak. Draw up close to Him. Draw up close to God. You draw nigh to Him, He'll draw nigh to you. Who's influencing you? Who's impacting your life? 
What are you looking at? What are you thinking about? I pray that you'd obey the Holy Ghost today. Father, in Jesus' name, Lord, I pray if there be one in our service that knows not Jesus Christ, that, Lord, they would see your assessment of them as a sinner and you as a Savior, and they would bow their knee and call upon you to save them from their sins. Then I pray for the saints. God, I pray right now, Lord, they would draw close to you. They'd receive the word of God that I would not be, Lord, as sounding brass to them and tinkling cymbal. I pray, dear God, that they'd receive the word of God and believe it. Lord, help us today. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.